thought it would be good tonight in light of our study as we've considered the great doctrine of justification, that we are saved by the work of another. We're saved by works that are just not our works. It's the works of Christ. And uh, it is all of God's grace. It is his grace alone. And it is the work of Christ alone. And it is received by sinners by faith alone. How does one receive that verdict? How is it conferred upon them that God justifies them? Well, it is by faith alone. It's a repentant faith, as we saw this morning. But it is by faith alone. I thought it would be good look good tonight to look at this uh, chapter here in Acts. As we think of the book of Acts, there are various elements to the ministry uh, of the gospel. Uh, there's the advance of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, the planting of churches, reaching out to unreached areas. Um, Paul and Barnabas would go back, and once churches were established, they would strengthen the brethren. They would help them to encourage them to continue on in the faith and uh, remind them that through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom. But also what we find, and we see here tonight in Acts 15, is we find the apostles contending for the gospel, contending for the faith once for all delivered unto the saints. Because in every generation it's going to be contested and there is the need to contend for the faith. And uh, so as we look at this passage of scripture, it is what is referred to as the first church council. And it's dealing with the very issue of the gospel, of what it means to be justified, to be right with a holy God. And uh, this is at stake. uh, And uh, so it is being addressed. How it is that sinners are accepted before a holy God. And uh, as we've talked that we recognize that it is by God's grace alone, through Christ alone, and it's received by faith alone. We sang that hymn this morning, Augustus Top Lady, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I claim. Um, And so here is uh, the church meeting together in Jerusalem for this first council, church council meeting. Um, Paul has been in Antioch. Um, This is the church that has the first missionaries being sent out from it. Uh, We have this in chapters 13 and 14. Paul and Barnabas have gone out. They have returned. They're giving their first missions report uh, to the church at Antioch. And uh, that church in Antioch has grown, and it is primarily um, seems to be Uh, mostly Gentiles there, Um, but we realize there is a problem that has been going on, and it's mentioned in verse 1 of chapter 15. Certain men came down, they came down from Judea, Jerusalem area, and they taught the brethren, assuming this is in Antioch and the regions north and in Asia Minor, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they're seeing this great influx of Gentile converts into the church. And here is the sect that is being sent out. It's not being sent out by the church of Jerusalem. I think they're their own self-appointed uh, teachers going 
and uh, they are going up to these areas where these Gentiles are being welcomed into the church. And uh, these men are, are of the sect of the Pharisees, it tells us, but they are also believers. Um, they have come to faith in Jesus Christ, um, and they've confessed Christ. These are not the enemies of the Pharisees that often stoned or uh, persecuted uh, the apostles, but these are those who had believed, as verse 5 tells us, some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed. These are the ones that rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And uh, so they've come up into the northern regions, and one of the places, as we well know, is in the area of Galatia, where Paul writes the Galatian letter, specifically with this issue in mind, that these men have come in, these Judaizers, and they're telling these Gentiles, they need to be circumcised. They're adding something to the gospel. It's, yeah, it's good that you believed in Jesus, but you need something else. You need to be circumcised. For the men, males, they, Gentiles, they were saying, you need to be circumcised according to our tradition, and uh, that also implied the keeping of the Mosaic law. So it's good that you've believed in Jesus, but that's not enough. It's Jesus plus, and... Uh, there is circumcision that is being required, and they are exhorting these men to do this. And uh, so they are opposing the, the gospel of justification by faith alone. And here's Paul. He was a former religious leader. He was a former Pharisee. And uh, they're going and saying, listen, Paul's not doing quite enough. It's okay, he's preaching Jesus, but there's something more. So they're following behind Paul and uh, they are encouraging people that they need to be saved. Uh, in order to be saved, they also must be circumcised. So it's Jesus plus. So Gentiles were being welcomed into the church by Paul and Peter and the apostles. And uh, they weren't coming through the foyer of Judaism. They weren't coming through circumcision. Which in the Old Testament, if a Gentile was a proselyte to, Judy, to, to becoming a Jew... He would be circumcised, and he would uh, become a part of the community of God, but they were not uh, doing this. And so here is a perversion of this gospel. They're saying you must be circumcised. You must keep the law of Moses. So it's Jesus plus something, plus circumcision, plus keeping the law. Now, this is an important issue, and uh, certainly Paul and uh, Barnabas realized that, the church, and also Peter. And so they uh, get on their uh, hiking shoes and they head to Jerusalem. And we have here what's called the First Jerusalem Council, a first council to come together to talk about this issue. Now, I don't think Paul was confused about it. He wants there to be clarity for everyone to understand that justification is by faith. It's not by works. It's not by ceremonies. And uh, so they uh, convene this uh, council that's held at Jerusalem, and they deal with this subject. And we see in church history, in the early centuries, uh, a number of church councils that met to uh, kind of mete out some very important doctrinal truths about the Trinity, about the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, um, things like that. Uh, but here is this one that meets here in Jerusalem and uh, dealing with this issue of 
um, justification. And so the church of Antioch sends Paul and Barnabas. There are some other delegates that come as well. And again, they want to address this issue. And there's a defense that is to be made concerning the doctrine of justification by grace alone through faith alone. So here are the leaders of the church of Jerusalem that are there, along with the apostles. Now Paul and these others have come, and uh, they want to speak about these things. And what we find here is there are three speeches, three uh, speakers that are going to speak. Peter is the first, and then there's Barnabas and Paul, and then there is James. James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was converted after the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. And he became uh, the lead, uh, leading uh, elder at the church there in Jerusalem. But we want to just consider tonight the first speech, and it was given by Peter. And he is going to give his own testimony concerning uh, his ministry among the Gentiles and what God did among the Gentiles. In the first uh, 12 chapters of Acts, it's primarily about Peter and John, but primarily Peter. He's one of the main uh, figures in the first part of the book of Acts. And uh, his overall testimony is that the salvation of the Gentiles was all of God's doing. And at no point was Peter ever led to call Gentiles to be circumcised. And so this is a God thing, Peter says, what God has been doing among the Gentiles. And so he begins in verse 7, and it says, And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and he said to them, we can imagine this people disputing with one another, and that's uh, what had happened, and they're going at it. And so Peter gets up, and he's going to now speak and give his own testimony and his testimony is that God has chose, chose that through his mouth that the Gentiles would hear and they would believe the gospel apart from circumcision, apart from law-keeping. So notice what he says in verse 7. Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago that God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel, and notice, and believe, and believe. So God providentially had intervened, and God had called Peter, and it was a call that was clear to him that he was to go to the Gentiles. If you go back to chapter 10, we're introduced to a man named Cornelius, where, you remember, Peter has this vision of the sheet that comes down out of heaven and has unclean animals and clean animals, and he's told to take up and eat, and it was a call for him to go and to preach to Cornelius the gospel, which he does. He went and preached, but he did not preach about circumcision. He did not preach about works or anything that they would do. He preached the gospel. He preached the death and the resurrection of Christ. And it says in, in Acts 10.43, if you want to turn back there, Acts 10.43, it says, To him... All the prophets witness that through his name, speaking of Christ, whoever believes in him, whoever, Jew or Gentile, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. Now, that's the message he preached. 
And what happened? Many of these believed. Cornelius, his household, they believed. And in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. And what we find is God is here confirming that these Gentiles indeed have been converted or are part of the community of God's people by faith in Jesus Christ alone. It wasn't through circumcision. It wasn't through doing certain things. It was by faith alone in Christ alone. Alone, And it was confirmed and made evident because God gave them the Holy Spirit. It's pointing back to Pentecost where the Jewish community, as they were together, as they had believed, it says they were speaking in tongues. Here now are Gentiles having the same gift of the Holy Spirit, and they too spoke in these tongues. And God was, I think, confirming and showing the Jews and Gentiles there's an equal footing uh, for them. But The Holy Spirit has been given to them. They are truly saved. They have been accepted by God. And it's not because of circumcision. And it wasn't because of baptism. Baptism is something that followed that as well. So God made it self-evident that he's the one who truly knows the heart. And he acknowledges them as his own because he has given them the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is what, again, he had done among the Jewish community of those who had believed as well. Ephesians 1.13 says, Those who have trusted in Christ, as they have heard the word of the truth, the gospel of salvation, and they have believed, it says, you were sealed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is like a seal. It's... Um, a sign of ownership, as you would put on a personal piece of property that's yours. You would seal it or a letter. God says by his spirit, if we are a Christian and we have the Holy Spirit, that is his seal, that we belong to him. We are owned by him. We are his property. And so God is saying that in essence. And Paul says in Romans, if any man does not have the spirit of God, what? He's none of his. Every child of God, born of God, is going to have the Spirit. And so here is the salvation that has come. Paul, as Peter has preached, Gentiles have believed. They have received the Holy Spirit. There's this evidence that they indeed are those who are truly saved. And it was completely apart from circumcision. Anything that they did, it was simply by faith alone that they laid hold of Jesus Christ. And then we see in verse 9 that God purified their hearts by faith, and he made no distinction between us and them, that is, between Jew and Gentile. God made no distinction between us and them, and he purified their hearts by faith. And this is just a way, I think, of saying that their hearts were cleansed. They were forgiven of their sins. 
Our sins, though they are as crimson, they shall be as white as snow. He purified their hearts by faith. And there was no distinction whether circumcised Jews or uncircumcised Gentiles, all who believe, they have a purified heart by the grace of God. They are accepted by him. We would say they have been justified, that God has justified them, and they have been made the recipients of the Spirit of God. And all of this by faith plus nothing, plus nothing. Christ and Christ alone. And so Paul goes on and he says in verse 10, Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? You're pushing the envelope here. You're distorting the gospel. And how were they testing God? How were they provoking God? Well, they were putting a yoke upon the Gentiles that... God never intended. A yoke is used to bring together two animals so that they can work together. Um, And Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. Marriage is being yoked together, which is a good thing, hopefully, good thing. Um, and, And here he says, you're putting a yoke on them that is a bad thing. Um, this is something that you are, you are provoking God. You're testing God um, by adding the law. And this is what Jesus said, didn't he, in Matthew 23, when he talked about the Pharisees and all of those series of woes, woe unto you. He said this, you bind heavy loads, hard to bear, and you lay them on men's shoulders, A lot of people are in a religious system where that's the case. Do, 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 do. If you do enough, then you'll be saved. You'll finally get to heaven. Martin Luther was like that. He he felt the weight of that under Roman Catholicism. What what if I do, what if I, he said, what if I uh, uh, lash my body 50 times, but God required 51 and there is this never a sense that I've achieved or I've, I've done enough. can never know that we've done enough if it is in part by our works. And so it is a burden. It is a horrible yoke to be put upon people rather than the peace that comes through the gospel. Come unto me, Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Be yoked to me and you will know peace and you will know rest. There is real liberty that is found in Christ. His finished and all-sufficient work. Turn, if you will, to Galatians 5. And again, Paul is dealing with this very issue as he's writing to these Galatian believers that they uh, were being told, you know, it's fine that you believe in Jesus, but you need to do more. You need to be circumcised. You need to keep the law. You need to become like us Jews. And Paul writes, and he says, this is another gospel. It is an anathema. And notice what he says in chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. There's liberty which you have in Christ, that Christ has made us free 
And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become a, a circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. All right? If you think it is Jesus plus, you ruin the whole formula and you lose Christ. You will profit nothing. I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Not just be circumcised, but keep the whole law. You who have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Now, this isn't talking about somebody that was actually a Christian and they fell from grace. That's often used this way. No, you've fallen from the system of grace. When you put Jesus plus something, you've fallen from the whole scheme of redemption that is in Christ and all of it is by the grace of God. And so God is jealous for his people. And Paul says, why are you testing God by putting this yoke? And so here is Peter, again, standing for the truth of justification by faith alone. And then in verse 11, we see kind of a a summation here. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Here's a summation, kind of a clarifying statement. It's a declaration that salvation is by grace and by grace alone, and it is through faith alone. Gentiles are saved by grace, just as Jews were saved by grace. It was by faith. It wasn't because of circumcision. It wasn't by law-keeping. Um, and so it is by grace alone, God's unmerited favor. You can't merit it. You can't work for it. So it's all of grace, and it is all found in, it's all found in Jesus Christ. And it's received as a gift by faith, apart from circumcision. It's the empty hand of a beggar receiving the gift of a king. Paul, again, as I quoted this morning from Galatians 2.16, makes that clear. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but it's by faith alone, and he says it three times, it's not by works of the law, it's not by what we do, but it is by faith alone in Christ alone. But what I want you to notice here in verse 11 is very interesting how Paul, Peter, states this as he speaks. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, notice this, he doesn't say that the Gentiles can be saved in the same manner as we are. He flips it and he says this, that we, we Jews, that we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And what, a, what an amazing thing that he says here. So the Gentiles don't have to become like us that were raised in Judaism and be circumcised and all the things that we did under the Mosaic law. But the fact is that we are saved like the Gentiles who had none of this, who were not circumcised, who were not trying to keep the law of Moses. They simply trusted in Christ. And that's how we are saved as well. We are not saved through circumcision. We're not saved through the law. It is by trusting in Christ alone 
even as Cornelius, even as these Gentiles, they believed in Jesus, they were saved, they had received the Holy Spirit. That's the same way that we Jews can be saved as well. He understood that you're saved um, just like the pagan Gentiles have been saved. That's the way we Jews are saved, in the very same way. So he worded it in such a way that you see among the Gentiles what is exactly true of them was also true for Jews as well. And as we think about this, we see that the ground is always level at the foot of the cross, isn't it? We don't come with our resume of things that we have done, we have accomplished. Whoever we may be, whether uh, whatever sins that we may have committed and are guilty of, whether we are one that's been far away in the pig pen or we're one that's in the pew, the foot uh, at the foot of the cross, it is level. And it is there that we come and by faith alone we receive this gift of eternal life that is found in Jesus Christ by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and by faith alone. One of the marks of God's saving grace is that I believe there will be a deep-rooted gospel humility. How did I get in? There's nothing that I can brag about because it's, it's all of his grace. It's not because of something that I did. I was not justified because I did X, Y, or Z. I turned to Christ, and that itself is the gift of God, as Ray mentioned this morning. Even our faith is a gift that God has given to us. Paul, as he, Peter, as he went to the Gent, or Paul, as he went to among the Gentiles, said um, back in Acts 13 and verse 48, I believe it is, he said, um, as the Gentiles heard the gospel, they, they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, they believed. That was a gift of God. That's why they did believe. And so even faith is not something that I can boast about. It is a gift that God has given. How did I get in? By grace. By grace. And yes, through faith. But even that faith was a gift that God has given. And so there will be a gospel humility will not be like the Pharisee who stood in the temple and prayed, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men, extortioners and unjust adulterers or tax collectors. I fast twice a week and I give tithes, and he goes on and on. There is a man speaking and talking about himself, what he had done. Paul's pre-conversion, what was he trusting in? Well, I was circumcised the eighth day. I was of the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Gen, uh, Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Uh, I was a righteous law keeper. According to the law, I was blameless. A lot of people are putting their hope and their trust in something that they have done. To those who have been saved by the grace of God, they recognize it's all of grace. It's all of grace. And their testimony is what Philippians 3.3 says, Paul says there, that we're the true circumcision who glory in Christ. We glory in Christ and we put no confidence in the flesh. I have nothing to boast in. Not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul. And uh, 
So it is going to be the fruit of salvation that there will be a gospel humility that should describe us and be characteristic of us. John Newton said, and I always appreciated this as I get older, he said, a lot of things I have forgotten, but these two things I know. I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. And uh, pray that we may know that reality in our own heart and our own life. So Peter is clear, as well as Paul will go on and others to say that it is Christ, faith in Christ, plus nothing. It's all of grace, and it's all uh, of faith and faith alone, not our own works. And uh, so may we seek by God's grace to give all glory and give all honor and find the peace that comes in the liberty that comes in knowing Jesus Christ and his sufficiency for us. Well, we'll take a minute as we close here if there are any questions or any maybe anything you want to add or verses that come to mind. All right, well, let's stand and we'll be closed with a word of prayer. Our Lord and our God, tonight we 